What is up? What is up? We are back for our 53rd episode here at Triad Talks. It's been a while, um, a couple months, but we're giving you a post-Thanksgiving episode. You know, we're all home for the holidays. Drew, Dylan, Absolutely. how you guys been? You're good, man. Yeah, glad to be back for a little bit and for the podcast, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's dive right into it. Um, our first topic for today, you know, a lot of our listeners are Niner fans, and uh, they've been... I'd say outperforming expectations with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you guys think they're legitimate contenders? And what do you think is the impact of the uh, trade for Christian McCaffrey? I'm going to go here first here. Um, as much as I uh, kind of fake <laughs> detest the uh, Niners as our division rival, I got to give credit where credit's due. To me right now, I think the Niners are the favorite in the NFC to uh, go to the Super Bowl. CMC yeah. just adds an entire new level of versatility to the offense. It gives them a huge weapon in the run game and the pass game. Um, the 49ers have been good in the run game before, but they haven't really had like a pure pass-catching running back that has been able to have as much of an impact as CMC has. And he also relieves Jimmy G of some pressure, which he definitely does not need in the pocket. Um, and then we switch to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this defense is amazing this year. They probably have the best front seven in the league. They got the second-best D overall. Uh, best rush D by um, defense by yards allowed, uh, fifth in sacks and pressures, second in points allowed. I mean, this is a great unit. The secondary uh, is still questionable. I mean, they're like 11th in the league, which isn't terrible, but isn't really in the upper echelon of uh, secondaries out there. Uh, but they have like good young studs. They got Ward, they got Ufanga. And I think overall, this is a very dangerous team with a solid head coach at its helm. To me right now, they are the favorite. But obviously, the injury bug has bitten them before. And I could easily see some kind of uh, regular season disappointments coming towards the end of the regular season. I just kind of hope this team can stay healthy and uh, we can maybe face them in the NFC Championship. Yeah, so my thing with the Niners, right? I mean, we got Jimmy G in there still. And, you know, Jimmy G is not Jimmy G like they're saying after that win in Mexico, you know. It's still a quarterback's league. I think they could win a playoff game, maybe two, if they get the right matchup. But, I mean, just a Jimmy G winning the Super Bowl, we've got all these quarterbacks in the AFC. I don't think he could be an AFC team if he makes it to the Super Bowl. The NFC, you know, is a bit interesting. you got some teams up there that kind of outperformed expectations. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But I think that there could be some tough matchups for Jimmy G in that NFC conference. Playoffs, come playoff time, you need him to make some big throws on those long third downs. I'm still just not convinced he's able to do that. Now, with CMC, I do like that addition. Like Drew was saying, they haven't really had, like, a pure running back. They kind of like <clears> to, <throat> you know, toss everyone they possibly can in that backfield position. I like what Shanahan is doing with CMC. I think it definitely does help out Jimmy G a little bit, but I just ultimately don't think it's going to be enough when the spotlight is going to be on Jimmy G in the playoffs. So, for me, I think they're 100% contenders. Um, Jimmy G, as you guys have been saying, he's not, like, elite or anything, not even close. And he isn't playing like it, but he has looked the best uh, he's been since 2019, I'd say. And uh, 2019, a lot of people were calling him top 10. Of course, we're not going to be fooled by that again. Uh, (laughs) Although I have seen some media say Garoppolo is the most disrespected quarterback in the league. Um, And a lot of people are saying Tua has the easiest job in the league, but I think it's definitely Jimmy Garoppolo um, and he's had the easiest job in the league for like the past four years probably um, and uh, with the addition of uh, Christian McCaffrey they have so many weapons it doesn't really matter who their QB was like you could throw someone like Mitch Trubisky and I don't think they'd be much worse and in fact I think they'd be probably the same record mm-hmm. uh, maybe 
Like, I don't think there's been a game this year where they won it because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Honestly, I kind of agree with that, to be honest. I don't think so, I do. Uh, you say you don't think you do, Drew? No, I, I just think that Jimmy G this season has shown a lot of improvement in the past. I think before he used to get, like, hurried under pressure and then just feel the need to, like, throw it down to a read that definitely isn't open. I feel like I really haven't seen that much um, from him this year. I think that he definitely does have, like, probably the easiest job in the league. I agree with you there. But I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, Jimmy G is a little bit disrespected this season. I think he's a good pocket passer. I think he's going through his reads and his progressions pretty well. Um and I mean, yeah, like he's not, he's obviously not like a top 10 quarterback in the league, but I would probably give him top 15 status right now. I do think he's been better with his decision making, but in terms of like the difficulty of his throws, they're all like drag routes to Debo and Hiddle <laughs> and out yeah. routes to like Christian McCaffrey. Um, and Brandon Ayuk is actually playing at a really high level. I'd say maybe he's a top 20 receiver. Debo is probably still top 10. And then McCaffrey's definitely a top five running back. And a lot of people Tough. were hating on the trade. <laughs> a lot of people were hating on the trade for McCaffrey because they were like, oh, they're giving up too much for a running back. But they don't understand. He's not necessarily a running back. He's just a guy that Shanahan can give him the ball in space and he can make a lot of plays. Um, coming out of the draft, he was one of the best route runners, even at the running back position. And uh, I was watching the Monday night game with Dylan and we saw Shanahan think uh, – he was cute by uh, putting Debo in the backfield and then Christian McCaffrey at receiver. So cute. And that's so just cute. something he could do. He can open up the offense. And they've been here before. They made the NFC Championship last year, made the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So I do think they have the experience and talent to uh, make a deep run. And also their defense, of course. I think uh, the Cowboys and Niners defense are probably 1A and 1B in the entire league, not just in the NFC. <clears throat> and any given week, like one could outperform the other. So, yeah, I think the Niners are definitely contenders. I think they have the pieces, they have the coaching, they have the experience, and I could see them making a very deep playoff run. Definitely valid. Um, unfortunately, we're going to be moving on to the side of a topic next. The Las Vegas Raiders, you know, a lot of us had them as the breakout team this year. Obviously, they've been one of the bigger disappointments in the this. NFL. I think they're positioned for about the fifth or sixth overall draft pick right now, if I'm not mistaken. So, Jad Drew, what happened to the Las Vegas Raiders this season? I'm going to start here so Jag can get his big piece out of the way. Uh, I'll go quick. <laughs> to me, the offense just looks out of sync, and the defense is just unable to stop anything. Uh, I mean, this team has lost so many close games. Seven of their, their games have ended by one possession, plus two games that ended in overtime. Um, I, a lot of people like to dump on Carr. And to be honest, I, I don't think he's nearly as bad as people are making him out to be. I don't think he's like a great quarterback at all, but I think he's more than serviceable. And I think he throws a pretty decent deep ball when he's not missing by like 20 yards. Um, but they need to go kind of – I think Dylan was talking about this earlier. I think they need to go more to like a run-first approach because Josh Jacobs is having a pretty fantastic year. And I got to say, you got to ride the hot hand. If Derek Carr isn't getting, those, isn't getting those throws done for you, if he's getting pressured too much, solidifying the run game is really going to help get the pressure off your quarterback, which is what they should be trying to focus on in this offense. Cause he's just really just locking onto detail and just like feet for speeding in the ball. Like he gets like 400 targets a game. And, uh, and then there's the whole McDaniel scenario. I really don't know as much about this. So I'm going to let Jad handle it, but the popular opinion is that he definitely needs to go. Yeah. So my thing with the Raiders is, you know, I've been pretty invested in the Raiders this season. I predicted them as my breakout team. I had Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller in the fantasy team. Waller, you know, hamstring injury, you know, it is what it is. But uh, my thing with the Raiders, right, is uh, Derek Carr, I think he's kind of like an endless road that leads to nowhere, you know. They're going on this journey with him. 
And it's kind of just going in a bunch of circles. And this guy, his ability to take sacks is like no other quarterback I've seen in the National Football League, okay? I've seen <laughs> wide receivers open on drag routes. Jacob's open on checkdowns. But he just likes to step up in the pocket and just get stuffed by a defensive tackle. You know, that's what he wants to do. And they're not going to win games doing that. I mean, all the great quarterbacks, what are they What are they going to tell you? They hit the check down. You know, check down, move the chains, get them some yards, keep them out of those third and long situations. And then my other thing with the Raiders is they lack an offensive identity, okay? Some of the weeks we're being run first with Jacobs, and then we get Devontae Adams, Renfro, and Waller in these short passing yard situations. I think that's the most ideal for them. You know, all three of those guys are very good route runners at the position. Your defense is not going to be able to cover all three of these guys if you get them in short yarding situations. But, you know, for some reason, they kind of don't like to do that anymore. And then these other weeks, they think that they could just go Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and just run five wide, air it out with Derek Carr, <laughs> and then, like, not run the football at all, just use Josh Jacobs as a receiving back. So they're kind of being jack-of-all-trades master of none right now. And, you know, in today's economy, you got to specialize in something, and the Raiders are not doing that, and so they'll continue to struggle. All right, so I'm going to start by saying I think it's more on Derek Carr than Josh McDaniels. Uh, Josh McDaniels should be criticized. Um, I see him, like, on third and one giving jet sweeps to Devontae Adams. Outrageous. And on fourth and two. Fourth and two, <laughs> instead of lining up Adams, Renfro, and Waller and Jacobs, he goes for a fake punt in his own territory. Like, at that <laughs> point, you, if you, you, you have all the weapons, just run an actual play. But I'm going to list you some quarterbacks that got, that got star receivers – and then took a step forward, right? Jalen Hurts got uh, A.J. Brown. Joe Burrow, they drafted Jamar Chase. They make it to the Super Bowl next year. Josh Allen, they trade for Stephon Diggs. He takes a huge leap. Tua, Tua, everyone was hating on Tua. And they trade for Tyreek Hill. They draft Jalen Waddle, two top 15 receivers. And he has looked – he's like a top five MVP candidate, maybe. Um, that's a debate for another day. But still, he's looked very good. <laughs> Carr, Derek Carr got extremely worse with Devontae Adams because it's his mentals. He thinks he has to force feed him. And when he's not looking at him, he looks he looks at Twitter the next day and sees people saying he's got to target Devontae Adams. And then the next game, he targets Devontae Adams 20 times. And then when it's kind of like a that, Baker Mayfield OBJ type of situation. Honestly, like he lets the criticism <laughs> get to him so much. It's insane. He just doesn't know how to play. Just throw it to the open man. I think McDaniels has some pretty nice schemes. I don't know. Uh, you guys probably watched the Monday night Chiefs versus Raiders. That was the best scheme game for him all year. The Chiefs couldn't stop anything we were doing. Um, and <clears throat> Carr, he's always been a guy who's had many excuses. He has had a lot of head coaches. His defenses haven't been good. But exactly like Dylan said, we're just going to be stuck in this endless cycle with him. Like We're always going to try and build a team around him, and we're never going to be able to succeed. We thought we probably had a choice right in the offseason, whether to trade for a star receiver and build the offense or invest it all in the defense. Carr probably said, I want the receiver. And clearly it didn't work because our defense cannot stop anything, uh, like Truth said. Yeah, the defense is really bad. Yeah. But um, clearly we believed in Carr, and he's just not getting it done. And I know exactly what's going to happen. He's probably going to play just good enough to get us, like, a the 12th overall pick or something so we can't draft his replacement. And then we're just going to keep recycling him, and then we're going to – Maybe get off to a hot start next year and then regress and go eight and nine. And we're just going to keep, like Dylan said, it's an endless cycle. We're just going in circles. We're never going to win. He's not even as good as a Matthew Stafford. People like to compare him to Stafford. Stafford's the world. He's bad. I, I don't care. Like, so is Derek Carr. He'll never succeed, honestly, in the NFL unless, like, he goes to, like, a team with a top 10 defense and, like, a top 
10 skill positions on offense. Like, he really needs that much. So I think we should move on to Derek Carr. I think he's the main reason that we've been bad this year. And I was so excited for the season. I don't know if you guys – you guys definitely knew this, actually. But, I, like, this was the one of the years – one of the few years I, I was really optimistic before the season. And, of course, the Raiders let me down. They have not made the NFL enjoyable for me this year. And I think it falls on Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs had his second-best game of the season against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So maybe we got to get him involved first and then and then take and be that second option for us. Well, of course. I mean, in that, in that same game, Devontae Adams had two, like, 50-plus yard touchdowns. Once mm. you get the running game going, it obviously exactly. opens up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Jacobs as a stud. I don't know if he will be back with the team next year, but he's definitely going to get a bag. Um, and I think McKinney is just trying to run a balanced offense. He's not really trying to look for, like, to be known as the team that runs all the time or that throws all the time. He wants to, you know, mm-hmm. keep the defense guessing. So I guess that's, like, his plan. All right, we'll be moving on now. Some legendary quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they haven't been performing as well this season. You know, if you look at the numbers, look at their records, you know, it's not what we were used to seeing from these guys a few years ago. So what do you think has been some of the reasons that these guys have been underperforming this season? Let me start with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because this has just been such a disappointment to me as an Aaron Rodgers fan, you know. The Packers, I mean, let's face it, the Packers are just absolutely and utterly sorry on offense without Devontae Adams. I didn't think that one guy could have this much of an effect on the entire offense. But really, when you look at it, like, Devontae is the only guy that they lost out of that receiving core other than Marcus Valdez-Scantling. And I mean, like, come on, like, are we we being for real right now? Like, does that guy really have as much of an impact as Devontae? Like, no. So, like, it is just insane to me how this offense that was once touted as the most efficient offensive football, they had the most touchdowns two years ago, now without their star receiver, is just absolutely terrible. It has to, like, from what I've seen from the Packers games, the chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and his young receiving core is terrible. They miss routes constantly. There are always receivers running the wrong route. Aaron's throwing it to someone that's supposed to be in a certain spot, but they're not there. And I do think that, like, Aaron Rodgers has played the worst that I've seen him play. Um, in his career so far. Thank you for reaffirming that, Dylan. Uh, Rodgers, he's missing throws for like the first time in his career, which is just insane to me because he's probably one of the most precise passes of all time. He Like that Sammy Watkins third down last week where Sammy Watkins was literally wide open in the middle of the field and Aaron Rodgers throws it high over his head. I was like, is that Aaron Rodgers? Is that Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, come on now. Yeah, I I think that this kind of goes down to the Packers as a team just kind of like not being as good as they were before. The defense is struggling a lot this year that I've seen. They're allowing a lot of yards, more yards than they used to at least. And I think that the losses of Zadari Smith and Devondre Campbell really, really hurt them. Because now this defense, like when I when I see them, they're touted as a top ten defense, but they really don't play like it at all. Uh, they allow a lot of yards and points per game. And l- but let's go back to the offense. I mean, the conservative game plan to start games, like every single Packers game that I've watched this season, the first drive out of the Packers has been a three and out, like without fail. I don't know if that's like an accurate stat, but every game that I can remember watching, and I have Aaron Jones in fantasy, so I kind of had to watch. They have always punted the ball on their first possession, which is just like insane. And they just keep staying in this conservative game plan. And then they don't put up any points on the board. And either their opponents take a big lead or it's like a super close scoreless game. And then when they start opening up the offense a little bit more, it's too little too late. So to me, like, I just don't really see a lot of hope for this Packers team. Aaron Rodgers, like, I I don't know what's going on with this dude. Like, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. But he's not played like a top 10 quarterback in the league this year, which is an insane thing to say, considering this is the reigning two-time MVP. So, yeah, the Packers are just disappointing as a unit. Uh, I do think some of the blame should fall on Aaron, because personally, like, he he is one of probably a top five quarterback of all time. 
And to let your team kind of fall like this, I get that you don't have the best weapons around you at all, but that's no excuse for kind of missing the throw that, that he's been making. And if the chemistry with your wide receivers isn't this good at this point in the season, it should have improved by now. I mean, we're like 11 weeks into the season. It's not like like week one or two, we can kind of forgive this sort of stuff. But now, yeah. I don't really think so. Now, kind of going on to the Bucks, I do think that Tom Brady and the Bucks have actually gotten a little bit better. I know the whole thing is Brady's undefeated since getting divorced. I don't know. Maybe that's an actual thing that was weighing on his mind while he was playing. But in the last, like, two weeks, he's been pretty well. I think that they just really struggled getting the ball in the end zone the first few weeks. Brady really doesn't have as many touchdowns as we've had. Like, last year, he had, like, 40. This year, he really doesn't have that many. Uh, and he's not on pace to have that many. And I think this kind of goes back to the Bucks' offensive line. Because they were missing some key players, and Brady was getting pressured quite a bit. I think the Bucks allowed, like, the eighth most pressures in the league this season, which is uh, pretty astounding considering the caliber of their offensive line. I think that just, like, some key losses, like, they had, I, I think, like, Ryan Jensen, like, out with an injury or yeah, something. Jensen. Yeah, favorite offensive lineman in the league. <laughs> my, my favorite player in the league. And then, uh, and then, obviously, Chris Godwin being out for a lot of the season kind of hindered their wide receiving core from being as good as it could have been. Um, but I do think kind of the Bucks have it back a little bit, and they're in kind of a weak division. So I do think this team will make the playoffs. The Packers, I'm really not sure of, man. Both Rodgers and Brady have definitely shown signs of regression. But both of their teams are really not as talented as they've been uh, the past few years. Um, starting off with the Packers, their skill position group is one of the worst in the league. I know Alan Lazard is decent in fantasy, but, like, as a wide receiver one, that is not – like, he's probably bottom five wide receiver one in the league. He wasn't even that good as a wide receiver, too, when Devonta Adams was there. You know, when you have that guy as a wide receiver one, you're not going to get many people that get open. But also, Rodgers, like you said, he's missing way more throws than he has in years past. Um, and he's throwing way more interceptions. He's, you know, kind of been that guy where he only averages, like, less than five interceptions a year. I'm pretty sure he's surpassed that by now. Also, the Packers' defense is sorry. I, mean, I was watching the, the Thursday night game a couple weeks ago against the Titans. They could not stop anything. It literally looked like the Raiders defense out there. But it's also a little bit of uh, Aaron Rodgers' fault for taking like a $45 million deal when he's like 38 years old. Um, it's the reason Adams left. It's the reason you can't really invest into any other part of your team. So <clears throat> I don't think it's like entirely his fault that they're playing bad. But um, obviously taking that much money hindered the team. And for the Buccaneers, uh, I think Brady is less at fault than Rodgers is for the Packers. I think the Bucks' run game is absolutely awful, um, and their offensive line is terrible. Leonard Fournette is washed. Honestly, Leonard Fournette hasn't even that been that good over the past couple of years. He was really good was... in the last last years last few years in the playoffs. Like, yeah, the like playoff the... of worse. Yeah, but like their yeah. old line has been really good, um, and now when they're a little bit hindered, Leonard yeah. Fournette's not getting as much. Uh, I saw like a third and one where he had a clear hole, and he just like kind of stuttered, kind of like Najee Harris. And then they didn't get it. It was like against the Panthers or something. And so his vision is clearly just regressed. I think for Rodgers, his season and career is probably over. I, he's got to retire after this one. I do not see him, unless maybe his uh, career with the Packers is over. But I just don't see him ever making the playoffs with the Packers again. And he always talks like a lot of trash about his teammates on the Pat McAfee show. Like I don't know what he's doing. He's clearly making the chemistry just go down minus five points. And then for Brady, a lot of people are saying he could retire after the season, but I don't think he divorced Giselle just to play one more year. I think he has a lot more in mind. And I think he honestly has a chance to turn around this season. They're playing a bit better, and maybe they could get a spark after this bye week. Um, and they beat a pretty good uh, Seahawks team in Germany before the bye week. Uh, I think he's he's got some left in the tank. 
Of course, he's going to need his team to step up a little bit. Like, I don't think he's going to be that guy that can carry anymore. But you mm-hmm. saw it in that, like, 50-second drive uh, against the Rams. Like, that was the Brady of old. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if they just connect the pieces, I don't I don't know if they can make a deep playoff run, but I think they could maybe win a playoff team. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I like what I was hearing. I was worried uh, we're going to be leaning a bit more towards Aaron Rodgers' side, but, you know. Glad we came out. So let me talk with the Packers here. I watched a decent amount of Packers game. You know, Alan Lazard, great wide receiver pick by me. Got him in like the ninth round. So it's like 15 points a game. But, you know, that was a great pick. So I watched Packers games a little bit. And the Packers play calling just really pisses me off. All right. I mean, we're like running first, second, first and second down 95% of the time. They refuse to let Aaron Rodgers sling the rock anymore. You know, whether that's because they don't think Aaron Rodgers can sling the rock or if they like, have some statistical geeks back there that think like giving Aaron Jones the ball on like second down is the most efficient thing to do for the offense. I don't know, but they like refuse to let Aaron Rodgers at least try and pass the ball like he used to be passing the ball. And then, you know, you don't have Devontae Adams, but I mean, he's got like Aaron Jones has basically been lining up at receiver a decent amount of times, you know, because they got that AJ Dillon dynamic in there. Lazard is a respectable WR1. I mean, I know he was getting on some hate earlier, but he's a respectable WR1. We got this Romeo Dobbs guy who, like, Jad thinks is, like, the actual WR1 on the team. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he's got washed up – or not washed up. I mean, Randall Cobb, you know, giving him some last, <laughs> last breaths in there. You know, it's certainly better than what Baker Mayfield was dealing with in his past few years. Oh, in my God. But, uh, even put them in the same Aaron Rodgers, um, for whatever reason, he's not really connecting. I don't think his mind is in this season at all whatsoever. You know, he's kind of – like you guys were saying, he's always been that very efficient low interception guy this year. He's completely thrown that out the window by giving the football to the other team. And the record is showing for it. The defense is kind of been struggling. You know, I've been hearing a lot of Jair Alexander, top three defensive back. He, he doesn't shadow wide receivers. He doesn't shut down anybody. So, I mean, that that's kind of out the window. And then the pass rush isn't really there. I think they lost some pass rushers to the Vikings. I, thought, I forgot what the guy's name was, but uh, he's on the Vikings Zedaria now. Smith. Yeah, Zedarius Smith. And then uh, the team is just not the same. Rodgers is not the same. So I think the record's kind of showing for it. Now with the Bucks, the Bucks offensive line and Lenny, last season, they kind of realized that they just need to give Leonard the ball on first, first and 10, kind of let him get some yards. And then we let Brady go on second and third. And this season, Lenny's not not been able to get us some good yardage on that first down. Forces Brady to have to get a lot of large dropbacks on second and third down. Offensive line's not really holding up. We got Godwin out. But I think all hope is not lost for the Bucks. I mean, Tom Brady, the velocity on his throws hasn't really been the same from what I've been seeing. So he's kind of been getting a few incompletions. He's missed some throws to Mike Evans down the field and things like that. But I think that the Bucks are definitely still a legit threat. I think that people are definitely still going to be taking them seriously. I think they will make the playoffs. As we said, the division's pretty weak. And I think once Brady's in the playoffs, anything could happen. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of like the LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the 2016. You know, it doesn't matter what seed they are. You know they're going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Brady and the Bucks could have a bit of that going for them. Will they make it to the Super Bowl? Honestly, I don't think they'll make it to the Super Bowl, but I think they could definitely win a few playoff games. Yeah, definitely valid. Now we're going to go on to a new segment, segment that I really enjoy called Contender or Pretender. Mm. We're going to be going through these next couple of teams. We're going to be assessing whether or not they are Super Bowl contenders, meaning do we think this team has the potential to make the Super Bowl? And uh, we're going to go through our reasons why. First team up. The Philadelphia Eagles, what do you guys think, a contender or pretender? So, for me, I've seen a lot of people call the Eagles frauds, and I think that's just what people do when there's a team that's undefeated and they're not really as good as their record. But I, I simply disagree. I think they are Super Bowl contenders. I think their offense is pretty deadly. 
when they're clicking, they run the RPOs. You got Hertz, Sanders, and then either AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, or Dallas Goddard when he's healthy. They've been impossible or almost impossible to stop throughout the year. These past couple of weeks, they're going through a rough patch. But if you're going to say that, you know, losing to a division rival because they fumbled two possessions in a row and then barely being the Colts is a rough patch, I think that's a good thing. And I think it's a good thing to not peak too early. I think they'll kind of needed this because they were kind of playing easy opponents and they might have been in for a rude awakening in the playoffs but now i think uh this will build their team because because they lost to the commanders and they barely beat the colts they signed linval joseph and uh ndamukong sue because their biggest issue is their run defense and they decided to address it which is good and their secondary i mean the combo of darius slay and james bradbury on the outside is pretty lethal for uh, any offense to go up against. And I could see them making a deep run if they figure out how to, you know, just run an efficient offense like they were doing. And their defense is probably top 10. They don't deserve to have the best record in the league. I don't think they're the best team in the league, but I don't think they're frauds by any means. Yeah, I would agree with Jad. I'm not as confident as a believer as it seems like Jad is, but I think that they are they are contenders, you know. I think that I wasn't too sold on them at the beginning of the season, but I'm still not convinced that Jalen Hurts could really be that guy for them in the playoffs when he has to make these big read plays. But, I mean, their offense isn't designed for him to have to make these plays. I haven't really had to see him push the ball down the field on, like, third and eight, third and ten, have to drop back at 300 passing yards, like, things like that, like, they kind of just run their offense. They got like the most unique style of play with these RPOs, these short passes. You know, I'm a big short pass guy. They got they got that on wraps. Uh, the runs, the run game, and uh, they're really stuck to stop in the red zone. They can convert. They got you know Goddard. They got good receiving weapons. We know how much they love to get Jalen Hurts scrambling inside that red zone, and I think that they could definitely are going to be winning some playoff games. And I could see them making the Super Bowl. Will they win the Super Bowl against a big dog AFC team like the Bills or Chiefs who can air out the rock? I don't think so. But I think they could make the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I think all three of us are in agreement here. I think the Eagles are a contender. Uh, I mean, this is my breakout team, so I kind of feel a little bit responsible for all their success, obviously. The defense, like you guys have been saying, has really been what's pulling them together. They're, they're the fourth overall uh, defense right now. The secondary is fantastic, uh, like Jed was saying. Darius Slay, James Bradbury. Um, I think the run offense, for how dynamic it is, I think it's one of the best in the league right now. And Jalen Hurts has shown massive improvements. I mean, now he's he's an MVP candidate now. I, I Again, he's probably not going to win the award. I don't think he should win the award. But it just goes to show what kind of season this guy's been having. They've got the best O-line in the league still that's stayed relatively healthy, knock on wood. Uh, and they have a great, great receiving weapons, like you guys are saying, Dallas Goddard, uh, A.J. Brown, Monte Smith. And I think that if they can – if their offense can stay consistent, like like Dylan was saying, against these high-scoring teams or these teams with really good defenses, I think this team definitely does have the potential to make the Super Bowl. Again, I think that the 49ers are the favorite in the NFC, but I would definitely put the Eagles in uh, either second or third place for how confident I am they can make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Yeah, the next team we'll be analyzing, the Minnesota Vikings, currently 8-2. and two. Uh, Jadju, what do you think about them? So I don't know if I don't think I know any Vikings fans, but if I do, I apologize. I do not think they're Super Bowl contenders. Mm. Uh, they've definitely outplayed my expectations for them this year. I thought this would be another year where, you know, they're always good, but they kind of lose a bunch of close games and then hover around 500. But this year, they're able to. They're still in close games, but they have been able to pull out of them. And I think ultimately in the playoffs, uh, you said you don't know if Jalen Hurts can win you big games. I don't think Kirk is going to be able to win them a big game because I think it's going to come down to it. They're going to force Kirk to make the reads and it's going to be like 
uh, primetime Kirk, although he's kind of beating those allegations with that uh, Thanksgiving win. But, you know, I think when it comes to the big-time games, he's going to fold under pressure. I think what happened in that Cowboys game where they lost 40-3, to I could easily see that happening to them if they play the Niners, the Eagles, the Cowboys in the playoffs. It even happened, actually, against the Eagles. I know it was early, it was week two. But they got absolutely dominated in that Monday night game. Uh, they got dominated by the Cowboys, and I think they would get dominated by the Niners if they played. So I think maybe maybe they're the fourth best team in the uh, conference. But then again, even if they play like the Buccaneers, I could see it, you know, coming down to who has the better quarterback. And I still think, although Kirk's played really well this year, I still think Brady's better than him. The defense has definitely improved, and that's probably why they're actually good this year uh, compared to years past because their defense can actually provide them something. I think they have a they have a good thing going. They have a good team built. Great chemistry, clearly, with uh, Kirk Cousins wearing those gold chains after every win and dancing shirtless. And uh, Justin Jefferson cementing himself as a top three receiver. But I just don't think they have a chance uh, to get out of the, the NFC. I'm in agreement with Jad here. I also think – I also have the Vikings as a pretender – um, but I kind of have a different different uh, line of reasoning here. I think that their offense is really good. You got great weapons, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, TJ Hawkinson. And Kirk, to be honest, I think he's a good quarterback, and I think he's kind of underrated. I don't think his play will be enough against some of the upper echelon teams, as Jad was saying. But to me, I think that their Achilles heel is kind of their defense. Their defense allows yeah. the 31st, 31st in yards allowed this season. And they're the 25th overall defensive unit. To me, I think they definitely have improved, especially in the pass rush. Like you, like I said before, they got Devondre Campbell and Darius Smith who are really helping them out there. But they just have wow, way too many points and yards to be a consistent threat to me. And this Vikings offense, I think it, it definitely can score with the best of them if everything is clicking. But I really don't think that they're going to be able to, again, consistently string together performances where the defense and the offense both puts up a good enough, good amount of points against these kind of higher level teams in the playoffs. Yeah, so um, I kind of see what you guys are saying, but I'm a, I'm pretty kind of sold on the Vikings. I think they are contenders. I think that aside from the Niners, I think it's pretty clear they got the best skill positions in the National Football League right now. I would like to see Dalvin and having a bit more success, I would like them to be a bit more run first. They're kind of really putting their shoulders on Jefferson on first down, and it's working so far, but I'm not sure you can ride that the entire season into the playoffs. I've always liked Kirk Cousins a little bit more than most people. I think if you give him ample time and ample weapons, he can throw just as good as most quarterbacks in the league, aside from maybe like Mahomes, Brady, and Josh Allen. I think he, I think he can be that guy that can get you 300 yards and two or three touchdowns in a playoff game. And Justin Jefferson, I mean, played him twice in fantasy, lost both times to Vibu, 25-plus points each time he's played. <laughs> he's a top-three wide receiver for sure. That ranking, you know, yet to be decided. But, I mean, this guy's always open. He Even if he's not open, he's always a threat to make that catch. He's probably might be the best pure wide receiver all around if you look at, you know, route-running hands and ability to just make one-on-one -on -one catches. And that defense has also exceeded expectations. So I think another thing, too, we look at the matchups they could potentially get in the playoffs. We see a lot of teams that are kind of like run first slow offenses like the Eagles, the Niners. They really like to lengthen or shorten that game, get a lot of run first opportunities. I think if the Vikings could maybe jump out to an early start with that dynamic passing offense, I think the Eagles or a team like the Niners could really be in trouble against them because they're going to have to push that ball down the field and try to match the what the Vikings could do on the air. And I'm not convinced that the Eagles or Niners are going to be able to do that. So I think that the Vikings are our contenders to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's 100% valid. One other thing that I forgot to mention when I brought the Vikings, um, going kind of going back to that sloppy play, I have a fantastic record, but 
eight out of their nine wins have been by one possession. Um, just kind of mm. going back to my point that this team needs to put up points in order to survive. But uh, we're going to move on here to the Dolphins. Jad's breakout team. Jad, get us started. Do you think they're a contender or pretender? Yeah, so they were my breakout team at the start of the year. So, you know, I got to say that they're 100% contenders. Mm. I don't think anyone in the league wants to play this offense. Uh, probably the third scariest behind the Chiefs and the Bills. And you can make all the memes about Tua you want. He's getting the job done, to say the least. Um, he's underthrowing a lot of deep balls. Or not, not even a lot of deep balls. It's just every time he does underthrow deep ball, it'll make its way on social media. Kind of the opposite of uh, Justin Herbert. But uh, anyways, <laughs> and then uh, – but he's hitting the people – or he's hitting Hill and uh, Waddle in stride over the middle of the field, letting them get that yak. Tyreek Hill, top three receiver in the league. Jalen Waddle, definitely top 15 in my book. Maybe top 10, top 12. You got Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. They're a great one-two punch. So uh, their O-line is pretty solid. It's a great skill position group. And Mike McDaniel, honestly, I think he's a genius. Uh, I wanted the Raiders to hire him. I'm not going to pull LeBron and say, you know, I knew he would be this good. But um, I think, honestly, he he could become as good as Kyle Shanahan. Like, we don't know. Maybe he was the mastermind behind all those schemes. Um, I think their defense is definitely suspect. But uh, I think to beat the big dogs, quite frankly – we have to change the saying to offense wins championships uh, instead of defense. The elite teams in the AFC, like the Chiefs and Bills, they find a way to score on anybody, no matter how good your defense is. Like if there were a Chiefs-Cowboys Super Bowl, I don't think people will be talking about like, oh, the Cowboys defense, the reason they won. I think Mahomes will be able to dice them up anyway. Yeah. So I think to beat them, you have to have as fast-paced and efficient of an offense as Miami does. That's what they bring to the table. I think, you know, if there's a Bengals-type team, from last year, the Dolphins are it, but I think they're even better. I think the Bengals kind of went on a lucky run. I think the Dolphins have the pieces to go on a Super Bowl run this year, and they're young, so I could see like a mistake down the road that kind of leads to their downfall. But I think if they continue doing what they're doing, I mean, they beat the Bills. They're, they're as good as any team in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with that. I mean, Tua, all right, let me just get this out of the way first. They're, they're a pretender, okay? They're not a contender. I mean, this team. The the offensive play calling has been genius. They got arguably probably the best two wide receiver combo in the league right now with Waddle and Tyree Kill. But they're just kind of just like a a gimmicky, a tricky type of type of team. They don't they don't just go up down that field and just slice and dice that opposing defense. They kind of do a lot of gate screens, jet sweeps, and that type of stuff. All these kind of like cute little toy plays. And I mean, in the playoffs, you. You got to go hang with the big dogs. You got to go throw it with uh, Brady. You got to go throw it with uh, Mahomes and Allen. And the Dolphins are absolutely 100% not doing that. Tua is not going to be able to do that. I don't think that if they had to rely on Tua to go get them 303 tutties in a playoff game on the road too, most likely they're not going to be able to do that. The defense has been very inconsistent. They have shown pretty good signs here and there, but – I just don't – I'm just not sold on Tua. That's mainly the reason I'm going to be out on them. He's kind of playing a Jimmy G type of role for them right now, except at a bit higher of a level. I think he's probably the most overrated quarterback in the entire league right now. I'm seeing some people mm-hmm. put him in that top six, top seven spot. Absolutely not. There's no way. I'm just not buying it. Show me some playoff wins. Show me some production. Show me some – show me some five wide. Show me some slice and dice. Just <laughs> I'm just not seeing it from the Dolphins and Tua right now. Can they win a playoff game against, like, the eight seed or something like that? Like, sure. But, you know, you get a little equity playoff win. Are they making the conference championship? Are they making the Super Bowl? No. There's just no way. I'm sorry. Wow. 
Kind of a downer note for Dylan, but I got to agree with him here, Jad. I'm sorry. I think the Dolphins are a pretender as well. I'll get kind of get the positives out of the way first. That offense, like Jad was saying, is absolutely electric when it gets going. Two has improved leaps and bounds. I don't, I don't really hate him as much as Dylan does. Tyreek is probably having the best season of his or best season out of any wide receiver this season. I'm sorry. Uh, Waddle is absolutely dangerous. Have this guy on my fantasy team. Absolutely love him. Uh, and then Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert seem to be a really great one-two punch, like you guys have been saying. Uh, and I think when they're offensive cooking, really they'll beat anyone. But that's a big if, because we've seen this offense without one of its key players before. We saw them without Tua. Um, we saw them without Gio and Waddle. This team just does not look the same when injuries hit them. And I, I hate to put the injury thing out here um, as kind of a reason why I don't really believe in a team, because injuries can't affect anyone. But this really does seem like more of like a house of cards team. Like I feel like if you have one kind of one kind of piece to come down, the entire thing is going to come down. I think Mike McDaniel's is a fantastic coach. But then again, the defense is lackluster. They're 19th overall, 21st in yards allowed. And this is a an offense that can put up a high volume of points to kind of overcompensate for that weaker defense. But if they go against another really good defense that's able to pressure Tua, able to shut down Tyreek Hill, able to contain mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle. I feel like this team will will lose any day. I just don't think – I think they're too volatile of a team for me to say that they're a Super Bowl contender. I could see them go to the Super Bowl, but considering how strong the AFC this is, is this year, you know, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bills. I don't know if I would really favor the Dolphins in either of those matchups. I know that they beat the Bills earlier in the year, but against the Chiefs, the way they're playing now with Patrick Mahomes – against the Bills right now with their with their defense. I, I just don't see them beating those two teams. And for that reason, I just can't put them in the contender for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, definitely a controversial team. I would love to see kind of like a Vikings-Dolphins matchup. We could see, you know, that that's just saying that would be interesting. But we'll be moving on to uh, the Seahawks. You know, they kind of surprised people, jumped out of the gate, got, had that first place in the division. Still kind of hanging in there a little bit. And, you know, anything could happen in the NFL. So, Drew, if you're the Drew or Jag, go first, whenever, whichever you guys you want. Uh, what what would have been the reason the Seahawks has kind of surprised a lot of people this year? So, uh, I'll go first. Uh, first of all, everyone's saying, like, we owe Pete Carroll an apology. And, of course, now, like, the slander he was getting was clearly unwarranted. But, like, if we're going to be real for a second, there's no way he knew that Gina Smith was going to be this good <laughs> and he traded Russell Wilson. Like, I think he lucked out a little bit. <clears throat> Uh, I will admit, starting Gino over Locke at the start of the year baffled me, but now I completely mm-hmm. understand it. Like that—that that mm-hmm. was a smart decision because a lot of people were saying just have Locke as a bridge quarterback, see if he can show you something, and if he doesn't, then just draft the quarterback. But Pete clearly wanted to win now, but now I'm going to be a little bit negative. I'm sorry, Drew. Uh, I don't feel like this is really going to go anywhere, uh, even yeah. if they make the playoffs. I just <clears throat> don't think they're going to contend at all. And I think this was finally supposed to be the start of a rebuild, but like. Right now, and I, I, they do have a lot of first-round picks uh, from the Russell Wilson trade, but I could kind of see them being stuck in a Derek Carr cycle for a couple of years with Geno Smith, Ooh. you know, kind of just playing a little bit above average. He's going to be better than Carr, but and you'll probably make the playoffs a couple of times, but it's kind of like the past couple of years of Russell Wilson where you're making the playoffs, but you kind of know your roster is not deep enough to contend. Mm-hmm. Who knows, though? Maybe with those first-round picks, you'll be able to draft pieces around him. This is definitely a good surprise for you guys. Uh, you know, I was talking to Drew before the season and Ali. Apparently, Ali is a Seahawks fan somehow. but And they were just not optimistic about the season at all. But, you know, they're they're hanging in there. They have, like, the same record as the 49ers, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm happy for Drew. If he always complains to me about how hard it is to be a Seahawks fan when I'm literally a Raider fan. Like, he's <laughs> uh, But, yeah, so 
you know, get on the Seahawks, but I don't see it really going anywhere. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, this kind of macro vision where Geno Smith is going to be the quarterbacks <laughs> for the next two or three years, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's gone within the next two seasons tops for sure. I was a bit baffled, you know, with the Geno Smith uh, over Drew Locke. You know, as a Drew Locke guy, I would like to see him get a chance, but I don't think we would be doing better than Geno right now, or at least at what Geno was doing at the beginning of the season. So, you know, P. Carroll definitely made the right call right there. The wide receiver play, you know, Lockett, DK, those guys are going to ball out. They've been, they've been playing well. And I feel like teams kind of just, like, underestimate the Seahawks when they go against them. It's like, oh, we're playing Geno Smith. Like, the running backs, like, they have five different running backs they've used this season or something like that. And they kind of just, like, go in there, and then Geno Smith, you know, just makes these big throws. They, you know, can't write Geno Smith off, as you would say. But this kind of thing where they're winning games, I don't think it's good for them, to be honest. I think, you know, mm. Seahawks fans, they were going in there, like, we're getting Bryce Young after the season's over. And now, like, they have no <laughs> shot at being able to do that whatsoever. Geno Smith's got to go. And, I mean, sure, they won a few games, but, you know, at what cost are they going to be winning these few games? We'll see when the uh, upcoming season's draft is over. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Seahawks hatred here, so I'm here to balance it out with some positivity. <laughs> usually usually I'm the one with the hatred, though, so I kind of I can kind of understand where these guys are coming from. I know I said the whole NFC championship thing earlier, but I, I don't really believe that. We're definitely not making the NFC championship. <laughs> um, but you guys say that we're maybe not in a great position with the winning. I think we actually are because mm. the Broncos mm. kind of pick that we have is, is doing so well for us. I think right That's now true. we have like the fifth overall pick if the Broncos continue sucking as they have, which is fantastic for us. I agree that if we didn't have that pick, I would definitely not be that happy about this season. Or I would be happy in like the short term, but I knew long term would be terrible for us. But I think we had a fantastic draft class. We had Tariq Woolen, who's the defensive rookie of the year. We have Kobe Bryant, Boye Mafe, and then Kenneth Walker, who just absolute studs. We have Gino unlocking a new level to his game. of the best season of his career by far. He's seventh in yards in the league, second in QBR. But I said technically first since Tua missed two games. Uh, he has a 17 to four touchdown interception ratio. He's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league, as I've already said. Just kind of want to put it out there. Mr. Unlimited has a seven to five touchdown interception ratio. So uh, I don't know, maybe Pete Carroll made him. Um, but I, I think Carroll is just kind of showing haters like myself that he's actually kind of a decent coach. I always thought he was a great pro player guy, but when it came to game plan, he was kind of lackluster. Um, but it feels like this year the game plan actually hasn't been that bad. I mean, I think it's because Geno's opening up the offense so much for us to establish a run game with Kenneth Walker and stuff like that and kind of get around the uh, lackluster offensive line play. The defense is doing better than last year. But we're still ranked 20th, which isn't fantastic. We have a lot of young talent that have really rejuvenated the defense, and we have a better offensive line and a pocket-passing quarterback who doesn't really miss easy reads and take out massive amounts of cap space. Um, but DK and Tyrell Lockett, you know, just a, an elite wide-receiving duo. I, I think these guys are underrated as a wide-receiving duo. I always see them ranked like outside of the top 10, which is just absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, but as for the future, I feel like, if Seattle's smart here, I think this is the last season they uh, they have with Geno mm -hmm. Smith because right now we have him on like a one-year deal that's like super cheap for us. And next year, after having a great season like he has, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of bidders and I don't want them to kind of drive the price up for Geno and way overpay him what he's worth. Not to say that I think Geno's a bad quarterback, but kind of having one season after sucking for the for your entire career, I don't know if it's a precursor to more success down the road or maybe just a flash in the pan. Um, I, I think that right now the team just doesn't have a lot of pressure on them. Like Dylan said, we just got people underestimating us. And we've had some close games like against the Buccaneers 
Um, we ended up by possession, but obviously you don't want to get Brady with the ball in his hands with a minute left to go. I think that this team is in a pretty decent spot, especially given that Broncos draft pick. So we just need to keep praying on the Broncos downfall so that we can secure a high draft pick. We do have good draft capital for the next couple of weeks couple of years which is nice but i do definitely want to see us continue investing in that offensive line continue investing in that defense because right now there are definitely holes to be filled um and i don't think that this team is really going to be able to make a deep playoff run but i think maybe in like two three years we'll have another really solid team all right we're going to be moving on to a segment where if you got children listening it might be time for the children to go we're going to be talking about baker mayfield Is Baker Mayfield's NFL career over? You know, he's gotten benched for P.J. Walker. He's come back. Now they want to start Sam Darnold. Who knows what's next for Baker Mayfield, Jad Drew. Go ahead and get the hate out of the way. I'll try to end this off with some positivity on the segment. (laughs) So, uh, as you guys know, a couple years ago, my famous take, I predicted Baker Mayfield to be out of the league in two years. I called him fat. Um, (laughs) And the deadline has passed. It was like two years before this season, but I'm still pretty proud of my prediction. Uh, I don't think he'll be completely shut out of the league right now. However, mm-hmm. I could see him being like a backup for a couple years and then just like retiring, saying, like, you know, I used to be in progressive commercials and now I'm backing up, uh, like, oh my. you know, like these trash quarterbacks. So I think in the end, his career will probably go down like a Blake Bortles, you know, having that one good year <laughs> where his team kind of carried him around, got a little bit fat, and then gets out of the league before he turns 30. <laughs> Uh, I do feel bad for Dylan. I mean, he's defended this guy since day one, uh, and it just has not worked out for him. But I also but I feel even more bad for Browns fans um, because they must be absolutely sick. They drafted Baker Mayfield first overall over Josh Allen, who went seventh, and then Lamar Jackson, who went 31st. Um, they're definitely used to drafting busts, but I think this one's got to hurt the most because I remember a rumor of them trading – like the first overall pick to the Seahawks or something, and the Seahawks were going to take Josh Allen with that pick. Uh, I think, you know, just looking back on it, the elite talent that they could have gotten, and they ended up with a guy like Baker Mayfield. You know, it's just – it's sad what happened. But, you know, I've always hated this guy. I hate the strong word. <laughs> no, I always no, disliked this you guy. You hated him. You hated him. Uh, ever since he was For out what of reason, Oklahoma, I don't know. He was butthurt that, he, that Texas didn't offer him a scholarship. And, uh, you know, that's why we clearly see the proof is in the pudding. So, yeah, I mean, good riddance, Baker. You could back up for a couple of years, but you're not going anywhere anymore. Wow. The scathing from Jad. Unfortunately, uh, before you get to Dylan's positivity here, I got to pile on the negativity. I mean, right now, I, right now, at least some positivity. There's some light in the tunnel. Uh, I, I don't think Baker's NFL career is over right now. But it's not looking like he'll be around much longer. It looks like, to me, he seems like a guy that's going to get shipped around like two or three more times before fading into irrelevancy. I mean, this season, like, Dylan's trying to talk to me about, like, oh, he's getting, like, over 160 yards. Like, it's a, an impressive feat or something. He's, he's got, like, a 6-6 six to six touchdown to interception ratio, 1,300 yards, and a 74 QBR. Just not screaming number one pick. Doesn't scream elite. And he's not winning the starting job from Sam Darnold, of all people, who's as, as bad as you can really get in the NFL. I mean, if this guy's backing up Sam Darnold, I just don't really see him finding success <laughs> anywhere else. Uh, I'm sorry, Dylan, but uh, I just don't really see a lot of positivity when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Okay, so, you know, I look at the facts here. I'm a factual guy. <laughs> I like to take everything into consideration. Baker Mayfield's career is not over, but it's very close to being over right now. 
It's very mm-hmm. close. The mm-hmm. the confidence and swagger, one of the main reasons, you know, I fell in love with Baker Mayfield. He's he doesn't have it in Carolina. I think he forgot it in Cleveland. He needs to go back and pick it up and then come back. He's a uh, might be a victim of poor circumstances, bro. I mean, let's look at this Carolina team, okay? So the coach, people are saying this guy's the next Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniels, whatever you want to call him. He, he's not that guy. Okay, he got fired. He's probably going to go sign with Nebraska now. Good for him. He'll provide a living for his family. He's not an NFL football coach, okay? So we look at this. WR two would probably try to fight him if he got the chance. Okay, Robbie Anderson. <laughs> He's going to try and beat up Baker Mayfield if the team let him. They had to ship him out for Baker Mayfield's safety, okay? And then we got CMC, got shipped over to the Niners, okay? Now we got Deontay Foreman. He's a great guy, you know. I'm sure he's, his heart's in it. Is he going to win us football games, though? I mean, Baker Mayfield's used pretty to talented. These nice, these nice running backs. And then DJ Moore. DJ Moore, you know, I kind of like DJ Moore, to be honest. But Baker Mayfield, the connection's kind of struggling with him. You know, we get him some some short yards. Passing, that? We're not giving him <laughs> these big, like medium chunk routes that he was getting uh, a few years back. And you know, I initially imagined Carolina as a pivot pivot point for Baker Mayfield. I didn't imagine him staying there for more than a year. I thought he was going to come out here, maybe win Carolina, you know, six, seven football game, and then we'll get some bidders in the off season. I think now it's going to be tough for us to get some bidders. Are there some teams I think Baker Mayfield would be a great fit for? Absolutely. And I'm about to name those football teams. Oh, my goodness. So those football teams consist of a backup position at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We oh learn under Brady. We learn under Brady for a few years. He comes back enlightened. He comes back inspirited. And he comes back and takes over that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Teams he could start at the next season. Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> oh my! God. Detroit. Slot Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr. The Raiders have the same record right now. Wow. That's so not true. Give, put him in the Detroit Lions. Oh. Put him at the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> put him at the Washington Commanders. No, bro. Put him at the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, there's a lot of teams out there that could use Baker Mayfield. I know, like we're gonna hate. We're gonna call him fat. We're gonna call him. <laughs> Progressive. Just wait. Hold on. Hold on. What does he do better than Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff? Like what, what? he does is he's won playoff games. Okay, he's more this cocky. Guy, That's what this he guy. Did. His run game carried him. This guy was a few plays away from beating Mahomes in a playoff game at Kansas City a few years back. Defense okay? him out. And we look at this. I. I. It's not over, right? You just have to be a real but. believer. The tape. There's been some throws that have been good, okay? This guy <laughs> literally almost beat the Browns, and they lost it like a 60-yard field goal that should have gotten called back for something. I know there was a flag. I don't remember. But I remember that was a fake win by the Browns. They, <laughs> Baker Mayfield should have won that. And then it kind of just went downhill from there. You know, Coach was out. I think, I think Baker, uh, he hasn't been playing the same. Don't get me wrong. But I think that the talent that he had a few years ago, you know, there's, a, there's an eight-game stretch three years ago in Cleveland. He had a top-five QBR. I think that that's still there. There's a lot of teams that could use him. There's a lot of teams that could kind of let him, you know, maybe he goes in a backs up Aaron Rodgers and he fights out Jordan Love for that starting Packers spot. There's a lot of teams where you could go in as a backup for these veteran QBs, or you could just go and compete for a tanking team right now, like the uh, Commanders or the Colts or the Saints or some horrible team like that. Or maybe he goes in the Raiders. I mean, if you look at the Raiders' historic personality and you look at Baker Mayfield, it's a match made in heaven. 
And I think that right. it would be a really big kind of jumpstart for that Raiders team. That, <laughs> that would be... at, they're not going to have that top pick. They're not going to get a top 15 quarterback in this upcoming draft. Derek Carr, he needs to go. I mean, we established this earlier. Baker Mayfield is that bridge for them. They don't have a backup quarterback <laughs> right now. I think there's a lot of potential for Baker Mayfield that teams are kind of just overlooking. He's kind of one of those guys where they love to hate. The, the hate fuels them with Baker Mayfield. Right. And I think that it's not looking good right now, but is it over by any means? Absolutely not. The only thing more unbearable to watch on Sundays would be Baker Mayfield suiting up in that number six in that silver and black. Like, I could not imagine that. If I was cussing so out Derek Carr on my that TV, so I could only imagine what I would be doing to Baker Think Mayfield. about a run-first team with Josh Jacobs. We get some play action. <laughs> Baker Mayfield sliding out of the pocket. We're just slinging to Waller, crossing around. So Adam, Baker, stop go. Like, Baker probably has oh brain gosh. damage from headbutting. It could be so He's good. not going to be able to make those reads. I'm just saying Carolina has not been a fair evaluation for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> what about Cleveland? He was good at Cleveland. He would would he be better Cleveland, than Brissett? Bro. Would he be better than Brissett this year? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> they went and got Amari Cooper. They didn't give Baker Mayfield a chance to play with Amari they Cooper. They can't OBJ. Oh, my. We've been over this for like the past two years, bro. <laughs> He's the best running offense in the NFL for two years, and he made the playoffs. Yeah, and he almost beat the Chiefs. He did not At almost Arrowhead. beat the Chiefs. Chad, so yeah, he did that the fourth Chiefs. quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's, there's a lot of hope left for him, but the people don't want to see it. There's no hope. <laughs> All right, let's move on before we start killing each other. Uh, it's our last segment. Apparently, it's everyone's favorite. It's my favorite for sure. It's the love-hate. Uh, Drew, what, what do you got? I have a hunch that you're feeling negative, but who knows? I mean, I think it's like minus 200 you're feeling negative. But yeah, minus 200 I'm feeling negative. Yeah, I'm usually a pretty, pretty negative guy. But since we were coming back, I decided to go on a positive. I got to go mm. with the love. Uh, this is a pizza place um, mm. that I love to go to. It's uh, super close to my dorm room. It's like a two-minute walk. I It's a place called Simo. It's like a chain. I, I feel like they have it. I don't know if they have it nationwide, but I've seen like three locations in New York alone. And I got to say, like, this pizza is, like, so nice, so fresh. You get an entire pizza, like, a personal pizza for right around 13 bucks, which, I mean, in today's economy, that's just absolutely a fantastic deal. Um, and when I came in uh, one time when it was raining, uh, you know, I was kind of – it was, like, late at night. I, I just finished doing some work. I came into Simo because the dining halls were closed. And the, uh, the guy kind of saw me, and he recognized me from the last week, and he just gave me a discount, no questions asked. Um, really, really stand-up guy. Got to gotta give some props <laughs> to my guy. I don't, know, I don't know his name or anything. Um, and then the next time that I went, he wasn't there, and I had to pay full price. It was kind of annoying. But, um, yeah, it's just a fantastic pizza. I got to recommend the Calgary. Say, you know, you know, you got that spicy salami on there. You got the uh, Calabrian mm-hmm. chilies. You got the, the fresh, fresh mozzarella cheese. You got this tomato sauce that's absolutely amazing. The whole tagline is it's 90 seconds to Napoli. And I got to say, it feels like it's uh, it's more accurately. It's probably like 50, like a good, like 15 minute wait um, to Napoli. But it, it it's it's a fantastic pizza. I had to give them some props because this has just been my go to pizza place, especially late at night. You know, dining halls closed just like un- inconveniently early um, for NYU. So a little bit of NYU slander there. But uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gotta be my love for today, man. I'm I'm kind of uh, kind of disappointed you guys didn't expect me to go positive. Wait, <laughs> so are the rumors true about East Coast pizza? You know, really being the best or like much better than California? Or... 
I gotta say, I'm, I'm I'm trying to put it down. I'm trying to uh, represent the West Coast over there. You know, a lot of those East Coasters <laughs> have like a superiority complex. They're like, oh, you're from California. Like, oh, the food there sucks. Like, they have this like big uh, misconception here. And I will maintain California has better Mexican food, has better seafood, mm-hmm. and to me has better right. sushi. But when it comes to pizza, I have to say, man, they absolutely wash us on the East Coast. I, I yeah. mean, there's like really no competition. You can go. First of all, it's cheaper, but just overall, like the sauce is better. You get more. It, it, it's like a good like New York slice. I got to say, just like absolutely massacres any any pizza I've had on the West Coast. But I will continue representing the West Coast in, in New absolutely. York. I, I will not let them have supremacy. All right. So uh, my love hates also food. Uh, and it's also going to be a love. It's going to be breakfast burritos. You know, I've never really yeah. been that type of guy to eat a breakfast burrito. I thought I always thought it was kind of weird just mixing a bunch of <laughs> breakfast salty foods and then like wrapping it around a burrito at like 9 a.m. in the morning. But um, specifically at uh, West Valley, their uh, campus center, they have this guy. He makes the best breakfast burritos. I've ever, I mean, I've only had that and Chick-fil-A's, but like this one wipes. <laughs> um, you know, I always ask him to sub out the bacon for chicken. He always hooks me up. Oh, uh, and you know it's just very flavorful i like i asked him to add some red salsa you know i've always liked obviously normal burritos but uh breakfast burritos kind of a, a new liking there um i kind of limit myself to one one a week you know just to maintain the specialty of it but uh mm-hmm. yeah so basically short and sweet breakfast burritos my love yeah so i'm also going with the love today it's gonna be oh. an action that someone could take my action will be driving. You know, as a college student, Cal Poly, freshmen aren't allowed to bring cars. But, you know, some people, you know, they like to break the rules. But, you know, I'm not that guy. I I haven't drove in about three, four months. You know, I was doing some big driving this past week, getting home from Thanksgiving. And it's just it's just a nice way to escape. You know, you're kind of in your own little world. And you're really just in control. And you get to, you get to do what you want. You know, Cal Poly or a lot of colleges, I'm sure, you know, we're walking. We're taking government transportation on the bus, maybe the subway. It's just not the same. I mean, driving is is way more fun. It's way it's way better. You know, my car. I thought I was gonna forget how to drive, but you know, it came back. You know, pretty naturally. And uh, you know, I'm very happy. Uh, hopefully, we can get that car on campus in the next few years. And you know, if you are not able to drive and you're gonna be able to drive soon, be looking forward to it. It's a great it's a great experience. Just a nice positive note to end the podcast on. Absolutely. So yeah, that'll be wrapping it up. It's obviously tough for us to make some consistent episodes. You know, college students now got pretty crazy, crazy schedule, but uh, you know, we'll be we'll be trying to fit in some episodes when we can. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Peace.